Welcome to Explore the Space. We're digging into healthcare issues that matter most. Our guests and conversations mine these issues for perspective and answers. There is a gulf between healthcare and our communities. This is the place to talk about it. Now here's your host, Dr. Mark Shapiro. Welcome back to Explore the Space and welcome to episode number 140. Janae Sharp is my guest today. She is the founder of the Sharp Index and she is one of the most powerful voices for physician well-being, doctor well-being in the United States and really around the world. And this started in the wake of her husband, who was a physician, suicide. Her story is truly remarkable. She is tough. She is strong. She is outspoken. She has a clear purpose. She is an incredible physician advocate. And what's unique about this is she is somebody who is not a physician who has taken on this role and this responsibility. She is a powerful force for good and for improvement in our profession. It was amazing to speak with her. And I will just preload a little bit. In the 23rd minute, she has an idea for making things better that blew my mind. I loved it. I've been thinking about it constantly since we spoke. It's awesome. You'll check it out. Before we get to the episode, I want to just invite all of you to please take a moment and subscribe to Explore the Space wherever you download your podcasts. We've got 140 episodes. We've got a bunch more coming. You'll want to subscribe wherever you like to get your shows. Also, if you're a new subscriber, welcome, first of all, and please leave a rating and a review. If you're enjoying the show, it's a great way to help other people find the show. It's really the most powerful thing, aside from telling other people, to leave us that rating and review. So if you have a moment to do that, that is really appreciated. You can find me on social media at ETS show on Twitter. You can find me on Instagram at explore the space show. Definitely check out the website, explore the space show.com. The whole archive of the show is there all 140 episodes. It's evergreen content. It's great stuff. I'll invite all of you to come and take a look around and you can also email me anytime mark at explore the space show.com. I love to hear from you. Love to hear what you're enjoying. What's resonating people you'd like to hear from all good stuff. I love it and I welcome it. So please feel free to drop me an email anytime. Janae Sharp is very special. Her story is incredible, and she is a real force for good. It was an honor to have her on the show. It was amazing to speak with her. Oh, my God, the idea she had. Without further ado, Janae Sharp. Janae, welcome to Explore the Space. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. We had a couple of the the known bumps in the road when we're trying to schedule these sorts of things. Two busy people and airplane travel and construction outside. It was kind of funny. The other day, uh, somebody posted that they were recording a podcast and I think their kid came in the room or something. So I put a list of podcast bloopers and one of mine was jackhammering outside. And that was when I, when you and I were supposed to record a few months ago, like, why is there construction noise outside? (laughs) I remember that. I also have to warn you if, um, if a child walks in, can we count that as not a blooper? It's no, it, oh, it no. happens. So that's the funny thing is <laughs> child walking in to podcast is actually awesome. Yeah. Right now, my son is not able to get in because I'm, I'm just sort of separated and he doesn't really have access. But eventually he will and it's going to be great. He's going to walk into a show and he's just going to like ask for something and we'll have to take yes. a pause. But yes. <laughs> You'll so- have to take a pause. You'll be talking about healthcare, and he'll want a snack and uh as I long as like he brings me one, we're all going to be set. Everything will be fine. Yep. Yeah, it'll be awesome. This is this is part of a lot of hard work that you've been doing over the last several years. And 
I want to start by thanking you because you have put extraordinary effort and energy in over the last four years to help us all learn to set an example of candor and fortitude and sincerity around a tragedy that's really hard to think about. And so for that, I'm just going to start by saying thank you. Oh, thanks. For me, the, the decision to share the story was, um, was kind of a hard one because I felt frustrated with the dialogue about physician suicide and physician burnout. A lot of people really cared about it. And I could tell speaking to physicians that they cared and that they wanted to help on a personal level. But then when you get to the larger discussion, a lot of it was so, so filled with blame and also so academic that I felt this huge frustration as like someone who had, um, had like a non-ideal situation, you know, this isn't a controlled study. This is my real life. And I knew it might distract from my work, like my regular job, you know, but I felt like it was important because I think, I think little things can make a change. And even though I'm not perfect and I'm not the perfect narrative that healthcare is sometimes looking for, I think more people that aren't perfect need to start participating. And that was kind of why I, why I started doing it. So now with a couple of years of that work to get people to participate, to change the way, not just individuals, but organizations think about and discuss burnout, suicide, these major issues that we're facing. Right. If you were to, to look back and can you think about a couple of places where things feel like they have improved? Are there a couple of spheres where you can say through your work and through the work of many other people and through your, your tenacity and your ability to communicate so effectively, are there places where some of the things that you had sought to make better are, if not where they need to be yet moving in the right direction? Um, absolutely. If you Good. look at, I'm glad you said that because I did not have any sense of what your answer might be. So I'm relieved because I'm still in this profession. Oh, and I'm going to be here for a while. Yeah, you're going to be. That's good. We need you here. Um, I think if people look even at the narrative around physician suicide, it's had national media attention. Where when I when John passed away, it was like a fluke that no one could speak about. And more than ever, people are acknowledging that this isn't a healthy system. And with that dialogue comes a lot of um, a lot of stress, I think, for a lot of people, because I don't think we're at the solution stage. But the way we talk about physician burnout and physician suicide is drastically different than when John died. When he died, I felt like there was no one out there. There were a few people. Um, but they were treated like outliers and now the majority of people acknowledge that it's a thing. They're even willing to admit, maybe this is something bigger. Maybe this is moral injury. Maybe it's a system that isn't allowing us to succeed. And that is so different than, oh, you didn't get enough support or just not talking about how someone died. It's so different than 
the way my kids were received, you know, were supported when John died. Like it's as someone who's gone through it, the, the narrative about suicide, the fact that we're talking about technology needing to improve the fact that we're talking about how prevalent depression is for, for physicians, that's a big change. It's a big change. And I felt like I had the unique opportunity to say things that other people couldn't say because I'm not a physician. So they can't be like, oh, she just didn't go to a good enough school. She isn't smart enough. She she isn't a good enough physician because, frankly, like I'm not and I wouldn't sign up for that. Um, <laughs> but also John's already passed away. So when people talk about, oh, we can totally avoid suicide. I can say, well, we didn't and we don't. And um, that's allowed me to break down a lot of barriers that other people maybe wouldn't have been able to. As I'm hearing you say that, I'm going to just be really open and transparent that my temper is rising and I'm getting angry. And I'll share with you why. (laughs) What you're describing, I'm really relieved to hear it. I'm glad that your perception is that we are moving to a place where we're looking at institutions and organizations and saying, we need to look at these systems and processes in which physicians and healthcare professionals work so that it, so that it serves them as opposed to looking at the individual and saying, what can the individuals do better? Um, Because we're talking about very committed, very talented people. And we're talking about clearly, right, risks that that would affect anybody who enters this profession. And that's a real problem. I would simultaneously yeah. agree with you. I'm not sure. I'm not sure what the solution phase looks like. I think that the, at least the dialogue and the conversation is good. But the part where I started to get angry and feel frustrated as I was listening to you talk is the part around saying that the individual should have done something differently or should have gone to a different pr- place or program. That blame shifting, because I agree with you, it's very real. And it, it pisses me off. It's, 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 it's so disrespectful. It's so frustrating. We're talking about the most extraordinarily talented, focused, motivated people who have follies and foibles like anybody else and, and to shift it onto them. And I agree with you that that's, that is what happened. And then when it happened, when something tragic happens that it's, well, they weren't this, they weren't that there's, there's none of that sort of institutional introspection. And I do agree that that's starting to change. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, so that, that's where I am. Yeah. Having listened to you speak a little bit. I appreciate you I sharing think, that, but that's where I am. I think your anger is super valid. I also think of it in terms of like, when I started telling my story, I was angry that I didn't get enough attention. Like wow, I felt like, yeah. oh, there's no place for survivors. And it took a lot of time for me to unpack that. And yeah. I see it kind of in a similar way. When people go through something super traumatic and they have zero support, they get jealous of people who have support. And I remember at the same time that John died, um, my my son had um, a pediatric orthopedic surgeon and her brother passed away from cancer. And watching like the outpouring of support and like love for him was hard for me. I was like, why, why can't they just pay attention to my kids? Like, why aren't my kids having that? And I had to look at it from a very honest perspective because I wasn't getting the support that I need. So I was resentful of other 
things that were supported. Yeah. And anyone who's jealous of a cancer death has something very deeply wrong. Um, well, they're ensconced <laughs> in something that's very deeply wrong. And I would submit that, yeah. you know, for institutions and organizations, it's, it's when, when something like this happens, when there's a physician suicide or something like that, it is, it scares people to their yes. very core. And I would yeah. submit that in that situation, man, they, the, the machine just grinds on. And yep. what you're doing and others who are in this work, I think, are doing is saying, look, it not only is it okay to talk about this stuff, it's imperative to talk about it and to support survivors and to acknowledge this sucks it, 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 on every level. It's, it's, it's awful. It's been this way right. for a long, long time. It's a lot of these, these, these pieces, these barriers are really entrenched, but we have to root them out. And light them right. on fire <laughs> and burn them down so we can move past them. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's true. And I think physicians who have that defense mechanism, a lot of it is from they've survived training and they've, they're doing something that is not possible yeah. in some ways, yeah. you know? So <laughs> when it's... It's not possible to never sleep and stay sane, but many of these people are doing it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We're in a place now where all the, you know, it's, it's July and this is the time of year where the academic calendar turns over. So there's a whole new group of people who have just graduated from medical school who are starting their internship. There's a whole group of people who just finished their residency, who are starting their fellowships all around the United States. And they're sharing very openly like this is, this is shocking. This is so difficult. It's so stressful. Um, it's not the same for everybody, but it's certainly really hard. You So you yeah. shared one of these pieces where it feels like things are moving in the right direction. Now comes the tricky one. Now comes the hard one. Where are we not making progress? Where has progress not started yet? Mm, progress? I feel like progress has started in a lot of places. Like some hospital systems are fixing it. Where I think we need more progress is the understanding of the cost that that we have for for individuals for larger systems we are not catching up with the need and we're not moving fast enough with the business design of healthcare um your intern you know your residents are still going to be your cash cows we're still in a fee for service world where they're billing machines we're still in a world where you burn through physicians and they don't have enough power. We're still in a world where you need a certain number of physicians to graduate in order to keep your accreditation. And the business models are not um, reflecting that we, they're not reflecting the understanding of healthcare that healthy employees perform better. And that is where the biggest failure is. Like if healthcare wants to be taken seriously with mental health and, and with physician wellness, it has to say, you know what? We are literally physicians. We, we are the experts in understanding that healthy humans do better in life. And I that's think the I, biggest failure. I think there's real value in a non-physician saying that. And I appreciate you oh. being vocal about it because I don't know. I feel like sometimes when it's a physician saying it, um, it's easier to dismiss somehow. 
we're yeah. complaining, we're just griping, whatever. There's a lot of there's a lot of really easy ways to dismiss that when it's a non-physician. I don't know. Is it different? I'll ask you. Do, do you do you get a sense that when you say what you just said, which is powerful and meaningful, does it resonate more than if it's a physician or another healthcare, another person who's active, an active healthcare professional? I think it does. Yeah. Um, because why? Why, why is that? I I won't lose my license. Yeah. Like I I don't have the same stake, but also. If I'm saying the system isn't very good at healing people, that's something that is a really hard statement for a physician because obviously they went into healthcare not to become rich. They went in there f- to be healers. And I'm questioning if this system is, is what's going to help them with that. And... I don't know why it's important. I think it's always important to look at look back at the entire system, and that's harder when you're a product of it. Yeah, that's a good. Physicians point. are smart. I've worked with a lot who are so smart and so hardworking, but it's not an easy problem. Otherwise, it would be solved by now. So, I, so I want to talk about that work because you have very much put your money where your mouth is. I remember when you were doing what looked to be an, a, a mentally, physically, spiritually, emotionally exhausting press tour. Yeah. Now you've hit I the was gra- pregnant on the press tour. What? <laughs> yeah, I was pregnant. Oh I didn't. Gosh. I, was pre- I was pregnant at the time. Oh. So I was like, why is this so emotional? <laughs> <laughs> I'm normally much more normal. Yeah. Like I was on Z Dog and I was totally emotional and I was like pregnant at the time, but oh didn't gosh. know yet. So um, it's been interesting. <laughs> yeah. But so you've taken yeah. all that hard work though, and now you are creating something, uh, you know, out of whole cloth to that can that can sustain. Because I would submit that what you were doing is would have been unsustainable to have continued on press tours, TV, things like that as a as a single messenger eventually i would i would feel like that would probably just wear you out i mean you have a life you have a family that that would be right. that would be difficult so you've pivoted and you've you've created this new entity called the sharp index so yes. let's talk about i want to start first what was the seed crystal for you to say this is going to be the right work this is where all this energy that i'm putting in right now that i want to make sustainable and scalable it's going to be it's going to be the sharp index how does that happen Actually, um, I wasn't sure that that would be the perfect direction. And, and that's important because I decided to keep moving forward, even though I didn't have a perfect solution. I had, I had, um, worked with a woman, Melissa McCool, who is a social worker, and she started a company that worked with patients that have behavioral barriers and I, for years, tried to convince her that physicians were the perfect patient. <laughs> you know, I was like, people who have behavioral and cultural barriers to getting care, that's what physicians are. <laughs> and <laughs> I convinced her we should, we should talk at HIMSS about, about physicians and about their barriers and about what we need to do. Um, 
because they're they're a smaller patient group. So a lot of the big tech companies that are doing great things for patients, they're like, well, there's not as big an opportunity there. Um, so we decided to to talk about it and and to look at getting anonymous tools and support for them. Um, and she helped me start the nonprofit, and she still she still works with patients and. And we started piloting things. For me, what I decided to do was stop trying to find the perfect solution before I started the nonprofit. I was investing so much time and energy and other people wanted to help. I realized that the mission of a nonprofit was already there. I was already investing time. I was already investing money. Although I don't have the all the answers and I don't have some, I had enough that there was a place to start from. And that's what I decided to do, just incorporate and and start getting people involved. And, and if that didn't work, then we would keep working towards the mission of, of improving things. And and that's kind of why why I actually started the nonprofit because I felt like the the mission and the and the spirit of not being for profit and trying to improve a problem was already there. Um, but I didn't want to start just a company because I didn't want to say, look, I can solve this problem. I can cure everyone because I'm, because I can't, but, um, I wanted to start that work and I felt that drive to stop waiting around for the perfect situation and just start. So, so we started, and and she helped even develop some of those questions when they're they're we're we're looking in the index at depression versus burnout because the way we measure it hasn't it, it's just you know there's been criticism of how people measure it and I wanted to understand depression versus burnout like how much of this is individuals who need help and don't have those tools and how much of it is a systems problem. So that's kind of why I decided to just go for it. I what? like that you subscribe to the idea of perfection is the enemy of progress and yes. just got to jump in the pool and get to work. My sense of what's happening with the sharp index is that you are also doing something that good leaders do, which is leaning on things where they have insight and strength to begin with. And your background is in healthcare IT. And you put forward that you're driving in this work, recognizing that there's no perfect answers, but we're looking when you're talking to medical schools, when you're talking to healthcare systems about the problem of physician suicide, about the problems of burnout, of moral injury, how are we going to use the electronic health record as a tool that can support physicians as opposed to what I think a lot of people perceive and a lot of data might suggest that it is driving a lot of the things that cause us real worry about institutional issues, hurting, harming, damaging physicians. Yes. Yes. I, I, my background is health IT. I care about health IT. I like health records. Like I like learning about how data moves back and forth and, and making that easier. So I wanted to start there. Also, when we've surveyed people, over 40% of our respondents have said, my electronic health record causes me 
sadness. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) This is, this is not a plus in my job and it should be an asset. And since I know about health IT and I've been able to, to volunteer with HIMSS and other great organizations, I know that we need to hold technology accountable. And it's been amazing saying, you know what, how about instead of half of your people saying your technology sucks, you actually use technology to help you make this problem better. And I happen to have, you know, contacts who are already involved in things like data visualization. Like I was able to just call the people at Click and say, hey, can we give a healthcare system like a snapshot of how their people are doing? You know, let's just, let's not tell them how to solve the problem. Let's show them where they're at and let them solve the problem themselves. And I really believe in that. Like give people an idea of what the problem is, give people the tools and let them solve the problem. Like we know physicians aren't lazy and we know that they are smart. So if they understand that this is something that we care about and we're going to solve, they'll solve it. So yeah, that's been my main focus. You framed it. Now we're going to move it to the next phase. What would be your wish list? Because this is practical stuff. This is not going to be the kind of pie in the sky. Every electronic medical record starting tomorrow is perfect. That's not going to happen. We just, we know that. No. This is going to be a stepwise approach of these systems and processes getting better. What would be your wish list as somebody who has a background and expertise in the granular aspects, but also has unmatched, I would argue, expertise in the impact it's having? What would be your wish list to, to move the needle from, you know, one to two, two to three in that stepwise fashion? I would have a few, I have a few things that I think ready. would be great. Yeah. I think if the companies that have been criticized would invest in improving the physician education process, that'd be great. Like what if we saw someone like Cerner or Epic, you know, help with loan forgiveness or what wow. if we saw them? I don't, I'll ask them for anything. I don't care. <laughs> Like, I want to rewind. Go back to that. Let's <laughs> like, I mean, really, they're, they're making huge profits. They could come into a health system and say, look, we've identified these positions as a problem. You constantly overschedule and let's fix it. Like they already have the data they need and Whoa. they already have the profit margins. If someone like Epic, who doesn't invest in marketing, said instead of marketing dollars for millions and millions, what if we just go around and and forgive student loans. Um, that's, <laughs> oh man! Okay, do more. Great. These are great. It's great. Do another for one. Marketing. It's great for oh. the physicians. Like it's great for everybody. Or you know, what if I don't have a counter to that? I'm just blown away by how good it is, and I want you to do more. Yeah, I mean, telemedicine companies can go in and provide and partner with mental health people. Say, oh, look, this gosh. physician doesn't doesn't need. To work full time. Yeah. I'm on an advisory board, I have to say, of Lightning Bolt, and they help with physician scheduling. Like the problem of scheduling people for 24 hour shifts over and over again, and, um, and just making those rules. And they've done work actually to reach out to individual physicians to, to look at their personal wellness. Like more tech companies need to do that. 
they need to invest in physicians and in physicians' families. Um, I, what else I, would I do? I, I'm, I'm, I have a few other ideas. I love that one. <laughs> um, I, <laughs> I don't have a counter for it. I'm trying to think, like, how would you say no, aside from this would come out of the margin? But there's an evidence that w- when institutions have done that, so there's that there's been this philanthropic move where it's, I think it's mostly just been individuals going yeah. forward and saying this medical school classes debt is forgiven. We're paying for your four years of medical school. They get front page news. Like they get front page news right. in the New York times and the Washington post and the LA times. It's a big deal. It's a PR yeah. boon. And Oh my gosh, what an impact you're having. So right. I, I, I think that's really, really interesting. Have you brought that forward? I've suggested it. Yeah. And um, it's been interesting, actually. Some, I mean, electronic health records, I, I said 2017 was like the year of like beat up the health records. Like, this is all their fault. They suck. They're terrible. And um, that didn't quite sit with me right because physician burnout and physician, physician suicide rates start climbing in residency. They start climbing before people have meaningful interaction with their health records. So um, you've probably heard, you know, a lot of the press talking about how, you know, you're causing burnout. And then Judy Faulkner, re- you know, she said, you guys need to look at what's really happening because when people have well adjusted and, you know, finely attuned EHRs, then, then they do better. Um, anyway, so we have this huge dialogue back and forth and a lot of defensiveness. You have some things that are, that are moving things forward and some, some health records that are just using this as a marketing tool. Yeah. I reached out to, to some of them and have had great conversations actually about the ideas. I don't care if I'm involved in their improvement work. Um, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Like, like if they want to make things better, that's great. Um, yeah. but they've been really receptive to ideas and that's good that to matters. hear. I had two executives from Epic come on the podcast recently and they yeah. don't do a lot of press and they were no. first of all, very receptive to the idea of coming on the show. And I, it's a tough conversation for sure. And like I said, at the end of the show, we could have just punched each other in the face for 45 minutes. Um, yeah. It would have been entertaining, but it would have been wildly unproductive and we would never talk again. That's not what we're trying to do here. And look, they, they, they took their punches, but they also expressed like they, they, they're humans. And this is what wakes them up in the morning. They want to make this better. They know that there are recognizable and demonstrable problems and they're trying to get it to a better place. And that's, I would suggest that right now, at least having that open mind, I, you know, and not feeling like they were a hundred percent on the defensive and not willing to recognize or not willing to listen to people like you or to come on a podcast like this one. That's fair. That, that, that should be commended. Right. Yeah. And I think they're, I think they're being more and more open to it and, um, open to working with people. Yeah. I think some of that is that physicians just aren't taking it anymore. Oh, so yeah, I think media has done a good job of putting pressure in, on people that this system needs to improve. I think there's also like a huge amount of frustration because it's like with healthcare when, when you just want things to be better, but it's so very, it's a complex system and things like interoperability of data. We wanted that to be done 
as soon as we started health records and it's still not done. And these things are moving slower than we need them to move. They're moving. Sometimes it's maddening how hard it is to positively impact change that we know needs to happen and that we we know some basic ways that we can improve things, but progress is like like pulling teeth. And and I've experienced that too, like where you feel like you're taking one step forward and 10 steps back. And um, um I agree with what you're saying. I like the fact that it's not that I like the fact that there are more of us doing this work. I I'm I really like the fact that we have you and the sharp index in doing this work. Do you have a sense of other people and other institutions that are, that are aligning that you either, that either weren't aligning before, or you maybe wouldn't have expected to align? Yeah, I think some, some healthcare systems I didn't expect to like want to get a good picture have wanted to. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really like the work of physicians who are looking at, you know, moral injury. I think companies are more open to it than I anticipated. Like I didn't anticipate Epic being in the conversation for the first time, you know, as their like entry into marketing and PR, this is the topic that they take on. That's um, surprising. I'm impressed with a lot of the work of, of people like Wendy Dean has done great work. Um, other people have done great research. And, and that was surprising, honestly. Like, it's been surprising. That's great. Uh, and I hope that there are more surprises to come because we're going to still need – we're not at the tipping point yet, I would say. There, we need a lot more voices. We need a lot more activation um, and I think we're going to need allies from places that we don't necessarily expect to yeah. apply the right pressure and to provide the right stimulus and to, you know, make sure that this is a sustainable thing. Because as you and I, I think both are in agreement on, it's not an overnight fix. This is probably work that you and I will be doing for the best part of our careers. Yeah, it really is something. There's plenty of work for everybody. Yeah, yeah. And uh that's interesting when there's plenty of work, but it's also like an intensely competitive field. Yeah. Like to watch. <laughs> like, yeah. Cause people want, they want the answers and they want to be good at it. And, right. and there are so many people who are doing great things. Um, tech companies need to speed it up. You know, Yeah. I'd love to see, I'd love to see people like Google or people like Amazon and Haven, their venture into, healthcare. I'd love to see them say, look, we care about the wellness of physicians. We're not just another PBM. Or even if a PBM wants to say, look, we care and we're going to fix this. I think that there's lots of potential people that could jump into the fray. And I would submit that most, if not all would be welcomed. You're still doing the work. You're right out there in terms of people learning more about you learning about the sharp index. Where do they find you? How do they learn more? I'm more at sharpindex.org. I'm redoing the website though. (laughs) So I'm constantly redoing the website. Um, So that's a good place to find us. I'm also online. You can email me Janae at sharpindex.org or I'm, I'm pretty easy to find, I think online. So I'm, I'm open to dialogue 
And we also have awards for people who have done great work in physician burnout. The voting ends next month, and then we'll give them out in September just to get more attention and to recognize people. We also have a scholarship for physicians. Um, It's not big, but we want to, I really feel like we need to increase people who are donating to, you know, physician education and physician support. So absolutely. Where do people find those links? Where are links to the awards thing? That's on my, that's on my website. That's on the website. Um, Wonderful. Yeah. And I will, um, we will have all of those links in the show notes for sure. Janae, yeah. this was really cool. I, I uh, When we first connected a few months ago, I'll submit to you that I I was a little bit anxious about having a conversation like this because it's, it's it's just – like we talked about before, it just you, you don't want to jump into the water. But I, I kind of yeah. – I, I really like the phrase stepping into the tension. And for me, this was an exercise in doing that and I feel even more motivated now because – exceptional people like you are, are way, way out ahead. And, and that's good to know. So thank you very much for all the work that you're doing. And thank you so much for coming and being so honest and transparent with us. Well, thank you. And I'd love to work together and let's get people to help physicians. Thank you for listening to Explore the Space. Visit us on our website, explorethespaceshow.com. And please subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Follow us on Twitter at ETS Show, and you can email Dr. Shapiro by writing to mark at explorethespaceshow.com.